Hello and welcome to another episode of Perspectives on Purpose with me, Tom Batchelor, and social entrepreneur, Philip Ullman. It all looks so incredibly positive for government in February, with Brexit moving forward, monetary investments and a renewed spending programme. Now all that momentum has been washed away, or has it? Certainly the size and role of the state has changed, and with that comes opportunities, challenges, new ideas and a requirement to do things differently. In this second episode of our series, we'll be discussing the role of the state, its relationship with business and its obligations to citizens and society. Critically, calls for a more purpose-led partnership between business and the government will be debated. We'll also ask how abandoned communities could be revived by rethinking the way local institutions might work, all for the greater good. I'm delighted to say I'm joined again by Philip Ullman, Chief Energizer of recruitment giant Cordon Group and Lord Glassman of Stoke Newington and Stamford Hill, Labour peer, political theorist and founder of Blue Labour. Welcome to you both. Morris, I'd just like to come to you first and really set the scene. Um, Now the state has grown bigger, how would you describe its role today and uh, how sustainable is that? Well, it precedes COVID. I mean, the the problem um, is that the market actually abandoned lots of communities, led to deindustrialization, huge levels of of inequality in in the previous time. If you remember Brexit, that was what that was all about. Um, And so it was necessary for the state to engage in order to address fundamentally social and political problems, which were also economic problems, which, as I say, were about the abandonment of communities, the um, the malnutrition in those areas when it came to institutions, when it came to work. And, and often the state was the only real institution at work um, in terms of employment. So, and now with, with COVID, that has, has really intensified. So the key for me is how does the state engage to actually revive in a decentralised way the institution's and the economy of abandoned areas. So um, its sustainability is, is, is based on how it approaches that. And the dilemma at the moment is that the state is caught between a sort of centralized model based on projects, or does it actually rebuild these, these areas around institutions? Mm-hmm. And in terms of that institutional build, what, what should that look like in, 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 your, in your view? Well, I think you've just got to look at the uh, look at the facts. So um, what's happened over the last 40 uh, years is essentially that all the financial institutions have left those areas. Remember, there used to be building societies called Halifax and, and you know, Abbey, Abbey and um, Bradford and, and, and all these uh, all these things. Um, they were uh, privatised or demutualised. And they no longer exist in those areas. All the banks centralise their their system. So there's a, been a denuding of assets. So one key aspect is to endow regional banks so there can be access to capital for businesses. Mm-hmm. Another area relates to productivity, huge stress on universities and the complete decimation of the apprenticeship vocational side. So vocational colleges are, are a huge part of that. Um, and and these regional banks also have to build a relationship with with business with business associations. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the forms of the institutions that need to, you know, resurrect or revive. 
um, meaningful sense of place. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just looking at you know the state in terms of its role to to you know charge the recovery. How is that even possible right now? You know, with, with so much debt and with so much pressure to even even raise taxes, isn't government in a corner in terms of what it can actually do to facilitate real change? Well, as Macmillan said, events, dear boy, events, they were all set for um, a sort of regional Keynesianism, uh, railways, hospital building, um, reverse beaching, bridge building. But then COVID came, and so a huge amount has, has been spent. But the realities remain the same. Um, what kind of society we're going to live in, what kind of economy the government have got an imperative to consolidate their new class coalition they've got to do something in these areas um so i i think that what one of the strange aspects of covid is that all economies are in trouble so it's not just britain um so there's going to have to be um debt there's going to have to be borrowing it's the way that the investments are made that is fundamental to me Mm -hmm. philip i I know you and morris have been talking at length about uh, uh a covenantal approach to change and to looking at how uh, business society and, and communities can come together in, in a different way. Can you just shed some light on, on what, what you see covenant as and uh, what it will mean in relation to the state? Yes, yeah, so I made a conscious decision almost three or four years ago uh, that I wanted to convert Cordant into um, a social enterprise focused on uh, societal needs, people and planet, rather than focused on generating profit. Um, and it's hard to convert a business which is completely transactional, living in a transactional world, into a social enterprise. We, we've been struggling. So where we've concluded only recently in the last few months is the really meaningful challenges that need to be resolved cannot be resolved purely by a single business alone, or even by an industry. It requires uh, a close collaboration with the state and and a move away from pure competition where I'm trying to beat you to a model of collaboration. So in very simple terms, my belief is that the contractual model, which is a win-lose, where I'm trying to sell you a product or service, I'm trying to persuade you to pay more for that service, and you're trying to pay less, we're fundamentally competing with each other, is a zero-sum game. When I win, you lose. That's the nature of uh, the animal. But in the model that we're talking about, in the covenantal model, you're trying to achieve together what you can't achieve separately. The focus is on collaboration, on binding people together. And, and not competing. So uh, it's a completely new vision and it's the only way that we're going to resolve those really meaningful challenges that society needs to resolve. I mean, you mentioned contract and, and, and covenant, obviously, as, as very different concepts there, but isn't the world so utterly wedded to contractual understanding? Isn't breaking that mold going to be borderline impossible? Well, the other models run its course. If you look at what's happening, the massive inequalities between uh, the CEOs of large corporations and um, the, the, the normal employee, um, the massive levels of debt, uh, both of the state and of individuals, um, the current system isn't working. 
and, and there is no choice. We have to now uh, find an alternative solution. But there are examples of um, this model in, in the non-profit sector. There are organisations that are focused on purpose and they've got a lot to teach us as it happens. So there are plenty of examples of organisations that are focused on purpose, are covenantal. They're just not in the business sector. Mm-hmm. And, and often they're not in the state sector. The state is also very much into austerity, into, into, into cutting costs, into raising taxation. But, but there are plenty of examples of this model succeeding. So the answer is um, it has succeeded in many areas, but, but if we don't look at a new solution now um, to solve the problems, we're gonna, uh, I think it was Einstein that said, the level of consciousness you need to resolve a problem can't be the same level as the level that created the problem. The problem was created by a contractual approach. We're only going to resolve it if we move to a more covenantal, collaborative, to a high level of consciousness, and that's where we are. And it's also worth saying that the concept of covenant is in fact deeply bound up with our political institutions. So if you think of Parliament, its laws are binding you know, across place and through time, uh, through the generations. Um, it's, its legitimacy and authority is deeply covenantal. The same is true of common law, the same is true um, of the monarchy um, in terms of universities as legitimate sources of knowledge that go through time. So um, what's essentially happened is, is that the economy has slipped out of any constraints. It's slipped out of any sense of mutual obligation and it's become entirely based on not just profit, but a remuneration to owners, to capital and to managers, which has led to the degradation of work, to the abandonment of areas. So in many ways, we've got a culture that's, that is covenantal. In some ways, that's what Brexit was all about, you know, mm-hmm. taking back control, um, asserting some form of political constraint on this globalization that, is, that had just broken through all um, known barriers of constraint. I mean, the, just the levels of wealth that people were giving to themselves and the and the extraction. So when it comes to what what Philip just mentioned, when it comes to um, inequality, that that was obscene. But also the relationship with land, nature, and the environment. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an area that is hugely co- covenantal. Um, the conflicts between the generations needs to be addressed and how to bind the generations in mm-hmm. in mutual inheritance um, and and also the importance of place so a covenant's not such an alien uh, alien idea what's extraordinary is the way that contract uh, came to dominate the economy and we see the consequences of that no, i agree and if you look at 1945 post the, the second world war that was a covenantal period that the national health service formed uh, the, the social the, uh, the state and state welfare and benefits performed. So it was a period after the Second World War where people were naturally collaborating in a more covenantal way. Yeah. That lasted for about 15 to 20 years. And then we get a period which is focused on the self because the, the impacts of the Second World War are almost forgotten to an extent and, mm-hmm. and people start thinking about the self. Mm-hmm. And then you get now 50 years of, of Chicago mindset of thinking about the individual, about profit, about transactions. And, and the, since uh, 1970, which is almost 50 years, ironically, debt has massively increased as well, which is not a, co- a coincidence as, as well. We're talking about 50 years, effectively, of 
thinking about the self at, at the cost and not the state, not and not the not the we. And just going back to community and 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 you know the what kind of appetite do you think government has right now to embrace? What it actually is a very revolutionary idea in terms of perhaps where its current thinking is. I mean, is there is there an appetite to kind of examine ideas like covenant and, and implement them? And if so, how does that really happen in practical terms? Well, um, I mean, this is a matter of necessity. So, so I, I think that uh, reality is our friend. The the uh, the government needs to has got some imperatives. It's it, it is committed to leaving the European Union. It's committed to bringing um, some economic revival to the depressed and abandoned regions. Uh, plus, it has uh, the political imperative to keep its new voters. Um, so there's many self-interested reasons, and um, so, so it, it's it really I wouldn't say it's 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 revolutionary. It's it's quite traditional yeah. in the, in the sense that it sees. Um, that there is a relationship between business and place, that there now needs to be, which is widely accepted, a relationship between business and the environment. And key to this is how it treats its workforce. I mean, that's been the huge degradation that has gone on. Um, so, so in many ways, what we're trying to do is practically understand the steps that the state needs to make in order to support and nurture local relationships, energy um, and and business um, without resorting to central state planning. Hmm. And just, 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 just look at that, Felix. This is uh, perhaps more in the business sphere, but, but business has an obligation to society in your view. I just want you to sort of expand a bit on what that actually looks like on the ground. We've lost our way in business. We, we've focused on profit as an end rather than a means. We should be profitable, we need to be efficient, we need to show that we're looking after resources. But we've made profit the end game. We've forgotten that business should be about purpose. And by purpose we mean uh, the solution of problems of people and planet, and not damaging people and planet. And I think in the past, uh, before 1970, that's what businesses were. I remember sitting uh, with Morris in the House of Lords and talking to one of his colleagues who actually said that, that, that the leaders of big businesses in the 70s were different, that they, they were more focused on community and on, on society. We've just lost our way. Uh, if I'd just like to summarise neatly the concept of covenant in, in terms of hopefully uh, make this clear. Uh, in the past, we've either focused on the we, big state, or we focused on the I, big business. Um, in a covenantal model, you need to have a strong we, a, a, a social purpose, but you mustn't crush the I. You must have a relationship whereby the we is there. There's a joint identity, but there's also individual identities uh, and the individuals are not crushed. And what we've moved from is we've oscillated between a strong we and a strong I. What we've not managed to do is to have a strong we and a strong I simultaneously. And that's what we're looking to achieve. Oh, another way of putting it is that this stresses the relationships within society rather than exclusively the state. I think so. Um, this, this is the vital thing, the rediscovery of societal institutions. So there's a need, for example, for businesses to associate in, in associations so that they can then negotiate with, with the workforce, with the local authorities, with the, with the local bank. 
uh, with the vocational colleges. So it's re-knitting a network of of autonomous relationships within society rather than imposing something directly from the state. So where does the responsibility lie? I mean, it feels to me there's a collective responsibility across these different stakeholders to come together in, and, and, and rethink what that knitting effectively looks like. Correct. It's not a big state. We have to take responsibility for society, for the environment, for people, for, for people of all different uh, types, all, all the different uh, workers and, and managers, etc. All the different. Everybody matters, as indeed does the planet. Um, and uh, what we need to do is distribute that social responsibility. If you leave it in the centre and the state is alone responsible for sorting out those problems, it doesn't work because it becomes autocratic. It's too centralised. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, what we need to do is almost combine the, the stewardship, the, the individual accountability that you can get in a, a, an organisation that is a, a company, a limited company, but to, to focus rather on purpose. So what you're effectively doing is, is sharing the responsibilities of the state for society into lots of different autonomous units, all webbed, uh, bound together into a we but not focus on money, in the, but focus on society. So everybody's working together in a collaborative way to sort those problems that, that we've formally left to the state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just looking at sort of what that looks like in terms of um, implementation, can public and private sectors work together more effectively? Because, you know, there's always been a, a rather historical divide between the two. They've been, they've been siloed. That, you know, the private sector has been expected just to effectively make the gains the public sector follows um, and that's perhaps not a fair description. and There needs to be a, a rethink around that. Can there be a collaboration between the two? The answer is definitely yes, but only if they're all focused on purpose, which is people and planet. If business continues to focus on the individual and the state continues to focus on the we, they're misaligned. But if we move everybody uh, to a purpose focus, we're all focused on people and planet, then we're aligned. And it's interesting, uh, Joost de Bloch, who started Birdstock, um, trains his competitors in how to deliver care to, uh, to people living at home. Why? Because he, he, he made this point, which was almost an insight for me, that once you're focused on purpose, you don't care who actually achieves that purpose. You just want the purpose to achieve, to be achieved. And therefore, once businesses are focused on purpose and are solving problems with people and planet, they don't mind whether they do it or the competitor does it or the state does it. Somebody needs to do it. You're only going to achieve that form of public-private collaboration if both are focused on purpose. And, and, and also it's important to say that the pressures have been also over the last 40, 50 years that it's either um, the state or it's the private sector mm-hmm. and there's been a disintegration of society. This is fundamental. So what needs to be done, the mediating principle, are the institutions in what we call the, the body politic. You know, the, the local authorities, the local banks, the local civic institutions, vocational colleges, universities, and they represent a non-monetary or non-state good, the pursuit of knowledge, mm-hmm. and the development of, of local business, the protection of the environment. And so by rebuilding society and the body politic, you find a way in which the state and the private sector then deals with a third force, uh, which is the societal or the or the social, and that that's vital in this conception. Mm-hmm. But hasn't hasn't the local authority autonomy been 
shifted, diluted even. I mean, austerity's taken its uh, you know, taken a huge amount off the table. And now we're in a situation where, you know, local authorities are getting sort of consolidated and broken up in different ways. And that the, the sort of reform programme we're looking at, which perhaps isn't, isn't that helpful. What's your view? Yeah, no, it, it, so, so that's why we need to... This is a fundamental um, change, but there has to be a representative of the locality that mm-hmm. represents the interests of, of local people. And, and, and that should be a revived um, local democracy that, mm-hmm. that should be based in the city. I think there's, there's a role for the, for the parish in that and the restoration of the counties. So um, the places where actually people live and there is some affection for that. So, yeah, so this is a political change as well as an economic one. Mm-hmm. But my, my, my sense, and maybe I've got this back to front, but my sense was that, that there's current reforms in play that look as though they're going to kind of local authorities are going to be kind of consolidated and therefore there'll be fewer of them. There'll be, there'll be, they're, they're, they're going to have a sort of wider jurisdiction, but there's going to be, um, they're, they're going to be less localised. Is that, is that not the case? Well, that needs to be opposed. Uh, I think at the moment it's quite confused mm-hmm. because in the initial period of COVID, local authorities were bypassed. Now they're mm-hmm. being engaged with. Okay. Um, I think that you can't have the restoration of a local society without having a meaningful body politic within which to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Philip, I just wanted to talk to you a bit about, about as you go into the room to talk to government, and that's, that's the direction of travel you, you want to go in, what you would say about bringing the business community together and, and, and actually reconfiguring how the business community thinks and what you would say to the business community about this new collaboration with, with the state? I think the, the, the satisfaction one gets when you help people change their lives, solve problems for them, when you, when you protect future generations, when you protect the environment, is completely in a different order of magnitude compared to the satisfaction from having a big number in your bank account. And I think most business people would start to recognise that because it's, it's now, since we've broken the link between money and anything tangible, 1971 Nixon broke the link between the dollar and um, the gold standard, which stood since 44 with the, the Bretton Woods Agreement. Um, money is nothing. It has no tangible meaning and and we've got into this mindset where uh, it's again a race to the top how much money can have my bank account and and i think most workers most ceos will recognize almost a vacuum in their lives because they 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 try to accumulate and and there's no purpose so what we need to do is help to re-educate to to re-engage with with business and say look what's more satisfying should the most able people most talented people will be focused on making more money in the city out of le- making money from money, or should that talent be redirected into changing the world, changing people's lives? And I think people will get it because the millennials certainly are looking for meaning and purpose. So what I'd be saying to, to government is, look, we need to re-engage. We need to stop fighting each other. We need to stop thinking about the state as a business having to manage its finances because the state is not the same as the business it can actually create money it's got powers that businesses don't have unfortunately that money at the moment is being created largely to inflate assets property price inflation and and the markets are inflated which is creating massive problems for people Um, and therefore uh, as morris says we do need to look at the role of the government in its ability to invest but investment for the sake of people and planet for solutions not to make money from money and i think uh, government's got the power to do that and and business hasn't 
Um, and at the moment, as, as Morris says, the, the regional banks have gone. The, 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 in, when I'm dealing with bank managers, initially I had a, had a close relationship with a regional manager who's based in St Albans. Now it's all centralised. Mm. There's no meaningful relationship. And, and that, that means that you can't focus on the local community, the local um, families, because you're just too centralised. Mm-hmm. I mean, on that point, Morris, decentralisation is clearly the way to go, in your view. But with so much centralised now, with, with so much consolidation, just reversing all of that is going to take, you know, years. It's going to take, you know, a huge shift in, in, in political will, is it not? Well, it's a, it's, um, it's a long-term project, but, but as I say, the realities are plain. Through the pursuit of exclusively financial profit, um, we've completely decimated our industrial capacity. I mean, during COVID, we noted that we couldn't even make face masks. We imported three tonnes of 40 face masks from from China, a completely uh, pathetic attempt to import from from Turkey. We couldn't couldn't even make um, dressing grounds and and PPE. Um, The very extended supply chains led to threats to food production and very fundamental aspects of of what we require as a society. So there's going to be a move uh, back to what they call reshoring or domestic uh, production of things. Um, And that will be tied in with um, local uh, areas being able to satisfy their needs in a a more self-sufficient way. So what I'm saying is the changes that are required go along this this way. And uh, that's the curious thing. Uh, sovereignty is very important, you know, to be able to make ultimate political decisions. But one of the things that the government is going to have to do is to use that sovereignty to allow decisions to be made more locally and, and people to find solutions to their issues. And it, it's what Philip just said, the, the necessity of re-establishing relationships. Now, the, these, are the, these are the things that are lacking in the existing system. And uh, it, it's vital to try and find, find a way to restore them. Mm-hmm. In terms of the timescales, what we have to recognise is what's triggered a lot of the failures of all the institutions of society, whether it be the government or business, is the technology and the way we communicate and the fact that we now have smartphones and, 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 and data warehouses which change the way we communicate. What that means is the speed of change is also much faster. So I'm much less, um, more optimistic that this can be achieved in a relatively short time frame, five, ten years. We're not talking about decades because things can change very quickly when you have a, the ability to connect people in an instant. Um, we're talking about massive changes of attitude, but, but things uh, can change much faster than they could in the past. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, of actual purpose and implementing purpose, what sort of metrics do you put around that? How, how can purpose be measured? Well, fortunately, a lot of quality work has been done by the Economics of Mutuality, which is a, a project led by Mars Catalyst, um, which is um, part of the Mars organisation working with Oxford University. And they've actually started to rethink capitalism. They call it a Copernican revolution. At the moment, capitalism is focused on the shareholder. Uh, it needs to focus on, on purpose and, and, and people and planet. And they've actually done work on the measures. So there's four sets of measures they talk about. Um, the first is uh, the individual. How, um, how is the organisation or society looking after the individual? How autonomous? How much 
uh, how, are they allowed to lead a meaningful life? Are they leading a fulfilled life? So that's one set of measures. And they've done some work on creating a very small set of measures for, for the individual. Then you've got to have measures for the group society. That's about how effective is the organisation at achieving outcomes? How much trust is there within society? The third set of measures are around environment. It's not about financial carbon offsets, which, which effectively is using transactional money to measure it. It's about how can you actually better protect this, the environment? How, much, how can you use less, less gas, like the gases, less, less water, less um, of the uh, resources that are short, that are, that are limited? So they've got measures for that. And, and the key as well is the full set of measures are about not, not generating wealth, but the distribution of wealth. Um, and all of, they, they got the work, the work has started, and I think we need to build on those four sets of measures and move away from GDP and profit as, as all we measure. Now, I know you've got ambitious plans for, for Corden, but in terms of the purpose model and how that will work in the Corden space and beyond it, what, what are your ambitions there? We're on a journey, um, and uh, we have to... Um, work out how to move to what, what, what I'd like to call a much more trusting form of organisational structure. Um, so we need to rebuild the trust that, that has been lost. I mean, people unfortunately don't trust the state, they don't trust business, they don't trust um, many areas. There's very little trust. So we need to come up with a form of organisation uh, that is more trusting. Um, but what I've also got to recognise is, is that uh, the concept of creating a charity and running every business in a charity is not practical and it's not where the world is. Um, but we do need to move to a stewardship model. So what we're thinking about is a kind of hybrid whereby we continue to generate profit, but that profit is used uh, for social purposes. So we continue to generate profit. And uh, what we're effectively saying is if certain shareholders don't want to use their dividends for the sake of society, they don't have to. We don't want to force them. It's got to be collaborative. But if certain shareholders want to, they should be free to use those uh, resources for the sake of society and, 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 and creating a trust-type structure. So what we're looking at is a, a single ecosystem with, which generates profit but also uses that profit for social purposes. Um, and... and we need to morph our organisations into a new model, it, it, which, which has to develop. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a journey, and it's a journey that the coordinate is on, and, and we're making excellent progress, thankfully. I mean, Morris, just picking up on that last part of our discussion, um, has everything changed? Are we ever going to go back to what normal was, if, uh, if normal is a good place to go back to? No, is the, is the answer. I mean, not everything has changed, I mean, that a lot of what's going on now has been in the works for um, a long time. Um, however, the idea that things are going to just revert to what they were before, I mean, Canary Wharf and the City of London are ghost towns. People have discovered that they can work from home. Um, the whole um, London economy that was built around um, servicing office space, so that's catering, cleaning, uh, all, all the restaurants and small businesses around, uh, security guards, a, a huge economy, um, that's not happening. So there's been a, a massive change there. So it's a very uh, contradictory or what 
um, I will call a dialectical process. On the one hand, um, a much stronger recognition of the importance of work and, 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 and workers, of the importance of place. Um, and on the other hand, um, huge rise in internet of, of uh, oligarchic, you know, Amazon, uh, Google, and, and, and all those things. So it's a very contradictory um, reality that we are trying to understand and engage with um, by creating um, new forms of relationships and institutions and that can bind people together, mm -hmm. that can create a, a, a sense of, of a shared life. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the, in the immediate short term, does the state have an obligation to keep businesses afloat? I and mean, obviously, the, you know, the furlough scheme is ending and... Uh, you know, the loan process has, has, has worked itself through. So does the state need to, in the coming year, step in again? I noticed in Germany they've extended furlough for another year, for example. But we're, we're running out of money, aren't we? Um, yeah, but also the, this is the problem that the, the government has about wanting to return back to normal, is it can't make strategic decisions about the direction of the economy. I mean, is there going to be a restoration of air travel and, and the centrality of air travel? Or is that going to uh, play a, a lesser role? Are people going to come back to work? In which case, what are we going to do with all the office space? Mm -hmm. um, all these things are, are not being answered. So just co to continue the furlough scheme without making strategic decisions about which sectors are going to be the basis of the future economy and which not, is just foolish and, and avoiding reality. Mm -hmm. So, but what there does need to be is is very significant debt relief for for, for businesses so that they can meaningfully plan for the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an interesting idea, debt relief, in terms of what it could look like. Philip, what's your sense of how? debt relief could play a part in behavioural change in some sort of shared equity model? It ties into the question that you, you asked, Morris. Are we going back to the old norm? And the answer for me is definitely not. Um, what I think COVID has done is it's accelerated changes that were happening anyway. It's made them happen faster. So the issues with retail were happening anyway. They're just happening much, much quicker. And, it, and the the inequalities were there anyway. They're just being highlighted by um, COVID. It's highlighted inequalities that were there. But the state has a very significant role to play. And that's when I've come to realise the state is immensely important. But working to effectively create a new environment for businesses to become socially responsible. So rather than... Um, using money purely to, to create more money and, and to, to, to line the pockets of, of the wealthy, um, we should use the, this enormous amount of debt and start to think about it in terms of uh, converting it to social equity. So if a business has a lot of debt, rather than waiving it and giving it to individuals, um, if you look upon that debt as almost society's stake in a business, why not use it? to get the business to refocus on people and planet. And that will mean that the state is using and the changes which, which have come about to enhance a new model of collaboration, which is built around relationships and social equity where everybody is not focused on debt. The trouble with debt is debt is, is uh, very much about contractual. Once you're, you're focused on debt, your purpose is to pay the interest. 
your purpose is not to solve the problem out, it's a distraction. Therefore, once that debt is converted into equity, you're thinking about people and solutions and, and planet, and therefore social um, converting government debt into social equity, I think is a very exciting idea. And also the, I mean, in terms of uh, debt forgiveness, which is a very covenantal idea, you know, with the, with the Jubilee, um, the forgiveness of debt has got to be also tied to obligations. Um, obligations to stay in the area, obligations to work with the with the regional bank, with the vocational um, colleges, um, obligations to the workforce and to the environment. So it can be a way of actually bringing some what they call beneficial constraints to an economy where, where there was no obligation at all. Do you, do you think that the idea at a government level today is is viable in terms of I mean there's a lot of talk about how debt will be government debt will be managed in terms of the inevitability of tax rises for example or possibly some degrees of austerity rather than looking at investment perhaps more borrowing um, and even of course debt relief I mean it, it feels as though the conversation is heading in the opposite direction politically well it's a very confused situation so um, one of the phrases I use is only where there's a way is there a will at the moment they're torn between going back to normal, um, you know, last February where everything was looking so good and, and recognising that there's fundamental change. So part of the work that we're doing um, is to understand that and to, and to have a, you know, a meaningful roadmap, a, re, a, re, a meaningful way in which the state can act constructively um, in order to generate sustainable uh, local economies. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, I mean, Morris talked about duties and obligations. Uh, covenant is about one's duties to others. You look at the world from a different lens. Um, in a contractual relationship, it's about my rights. What rights do I have? What rights do you have? And that's why it's a zero-sum game. In the model that we're talking about, which is covenantal, we're moving to uh, obligations and duties to the other. So I want to look after you, and therefore, in a relationship, that's much healthier because I'm not fighting you because I'm actually looking after you. And, and that's what we're saying. Businesses need to start looking after each other, looking after community, looking after people and, and the planet. And then they'll be able to collaborate. So that move from rights to duties and obligations is, is a neat way of explaining the move from contract to covenant. Mm-hmm. context of, of that decentralised model, how does it work on the ground in the community itself? Who is going to be responsible for the implementation of more purpose-led reform and for for holding businesses to account? How does that actually work in terms of a model? What you have is is um, what we call a civic ecology or a set of local institutions that are mutually supportive and hold each other accountable. So there's a recognition of, of complexity. So once again, we want to resist a, a simple, single central state model. So um, let's talk about that. The hospital is there in local areas and that is to promote and expand health. You've got a local university which is there to expand knowledge. You've got the vocational colleges which is there to uphold skills and and pass them on. Um, You'll have these regional banks which is there to support and sustain local businesses. So what there is is a mutual relationship of what we call reciprocity or mutuality between those institutions. And, and, and there will be a, a, a governance structure, you know, which ensures that there's um, not corruption or balance of interest within that. So the, the key is to understand the relationality of it, that the solution to this is to revive a plural society, 
where there are different institutions that are obliged covenantly or by trust to pursue their good and the and they, they negotiate a common good between each other. So that's a very good way of conceptualising the change. It's a move to the common good. And in terms of business language, um, civic ecology translates into self-managing teams, more autonomous teams focused on a purpose. So rather than very hierarchical organisations we have at the moment with lots of tiers of management focused on making a profit, you, you, you form smaller teams, 10 to 12 people, focused on a purpose, regional or local purpose, uh, where people within the teams are treated as individuals with dignity and decisions are not, are not forced upon them from the centre. It's, it's not an oppressive hierarchy, it's more of a, a growth hierarchy. So they're still, we're still saying not everybody's going to be the same, but what we want to move is, is rather than the management hierarchy forcing their choices and all decisions in big organisations made right at top uh, in, a, in a, a, an autocratic way, in this model, the local team focusing on local problems and local people uh, make decisions and they have advice from different advisors in, in the, uh, who are um, able to help them uh, achieve what they need to achieve locally. So you're inverting the system, you're focusing on people and planet rather than focusing uh, on, on profits and, and, and hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And is, is, is that where the trust model works though? You, you know, you, you have a, a trust that has uh, you know, a, a scope of, of responsibilities in the locality and is therefore um, uh, effectively in charge, effectively decision-making in, in a fair and transparent way. With advice, yes. And, and they're stewards, I think. But we, we keep on talking about ownership, that, that I own this business. The answer is none of us own things. We're all going to die eventually, and that's evidence that we don't own anything because it, 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 when, when we die, it goes to somebody else. We are all stewards. We have to be responsible for utilising the assets that we've been blessed with for the sake of others. And, and that's a completely different mindset. Covenant is about stewardship. And therefore, if everybody in a team is thinking about people and planet, and everybody that's advising them is thinking about people and planet, you've got a completely different framework where nobody's thinking about, I own it, which is not helpful, but I, we are all stewards to, to, for the common good. And, and, and that way, when you talk about trusts, we've got to talk about the foundational economy and the fundamental utilities. I mean, they've been privatised, they've been uh, profitised. Um, so, so nature and the fundamental things that we need should be organised in terms of local trusts. Um, and there should be one part of the accountability is local people participate in that. So the rivers, the forests, the water, um, these, these are common goods, shared goods, and part of the self-government of this is to ensure that they're endowed to the local community in perpetuity, so they have responsibility for it. And so who, who, who governs the governors? Who, who guards the guardians, as you would say, in terms of how central government and local government interact? How does that actually function? Well, there's got to be a balance of interests, so no single interest should predominate. So therefore, there should be some tension in the, in the corporate governance. Um, there's also a role for the state in that. So as regards the endowment of the regional banks, there should be some representation, for example, of the Bank of England. There should be local people elected onto the, onto the boards to ensure that that's upheld. Um, other institutions should be there. So you've got to rely ultimately um, on, on pluralism, on the balance of interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and democracy is a form of accountability. So for me, um, democracy is a very important feature of holding these local institutions to account. In, in practical terms, we at the moment see 
a board of directors directing the enterprise from the top um, with not very much accountability, a, a typical board meeting, you're scared of expressing your view because it's normally power rests with, with the CEO or, or, and therefore people are reluctant to, to express the view. Non-profits, which are focused on purpose, govern themselves much better. Um, Morris is part of a, non, non, a non-profit. You have a, a board of, of governors, of trustees, who are focused on purpose. And they all are normally passionately engaged in that purpose. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Because normally in charities, they're not actually paid very much for doing the job. There, there always has to be a balance of interest there, and the and that that's the very important function of democracy. Oh, there's no question. There needs to be um, collaboration, but but governance needs to be much more collaborative and focus on purpose. And if you have a governing body where rather than one individual being uh, the sole decider. You have a number of voices around the table that are all trustees, they're all stewards for the assets. And and from different institutions, I agree with Mars, there's got to be from state, there's got to be from you need a lot of different people collaborating together to make these organizations work. Unions, state and the trouble in the past has been confrontational. The, the the relationship with the unions wasn't particularly healthy and that meant that nobody won and the unions are now not uh, powerful, but unfortunately, that's left uh, space for workers to be exploited. So there's, you need um, countervailing powers, but but you need a, a, a governance structure which gives everybody a voice, including the, the workers at, at the bottom. So effectively, with the, the four measures that I've spoken about, if we can actually start measuring individual society environment and the distribution of wealth in the state and in business using the same set of measures, mm-hmm. creating a single voice, then you suddenly can come up with new forms of governance focused on purpose, which have not been uh, possible until now. And, and creating more meaningful jobs. I mean, this is obviously one of the huge concerns of government right now is, you know, we're looking at unemployment levels at 3 million, possibly even 5 million. Um, and yet we're, we're caught in a, in a, in a bubble of, of zero hours uh, and, and, uh, and the gig economy. So what is your approach to some sort of job guarantee program and creating meaningful jobs, creating, creating something that's more sustainable? The trouble with focus on profit is that that's what the organisation will achieve. And if it's cheaper to produce in China um, and that makes more profit for the shareholders, uh, then it's the right thing to do because legally the fiduciary duty of directors in the current legal regime is to look after the interests of the shareholders and they're doing what they should be doing. Um, but that has resulted in... Um, lots of jobs leaving this country, leaving, leaving America. Effectively, that, that isn't in anyone's interest. And to me, if you're not p- meaningfully employed in a job where you actually are able to provide for others to build relationships with your family, with groups of people, you're not really living. And therefore, this, this, it's critical that everybody has a meaningful purpose and isn't, unfortunately, a, a forced recipient of benefits, which the state is phenomenally good at doing it, but it doesn't lead to meaningful, dignified existence. And therefore, we need to refocus on people and rather than the business being about generating profit at the cost of people and planet and damaging both, it's got to be focused on meaningfully employing people, which is a completely different business. Uh, and, and therefore, businesses will start thinking about, well, how can I deal with the regional problem? We've got a problem, okay, in this particular area, there's no longer coal mining or, or, or some other jobs have gone. What, should, what capabilities have we got? What retraining is needed? And the business starts to focus on those regional problems with the support of 
investment from the state to start. So effectively, you're, you're changing the purpose of of both the state and um, and business from profit and GDP growth to meaningfully engaging people in a dignified existence. And I think the two need to work together. And, and I think it, it's doable. And do you think legislation is the way to go, Morris, in terms of you know how to instill more purpose and, and purpose-led thinking into those communities and to talk a about that, that local revitalization is legislation the only way or is there another way oh no i mean there's got to be the building up of local relationships local associations um but ultimately this is going to have to be bound within a um a legal framework and that's a very important um aspect of constituting um mm -hmm. the new covenantal system mm -hmm. i mean just looking politically at the landscape, if uh, politics is the language of priorities, what's your priority advice to government today? I mean, obviously, there's a huge amount to consider. Um, but uh, in terms of, you know, the macro implementation of these ideas, what would you say? Um, the, the vital thing is the institutions. What is going to be the... What is going to generate um, growth? What is going to generate a, a revival of prosperity? So the regional banks, I mean, at the moment, we've got a very immediate thing. They've got to make a decision which, which they haven't made. I mean, um, around about half of our universities are going to be bankrupt. I mean, they are bankrupt. So are they simply going to be bailed out or is there going to be a move towards less emphasis on universities, more emphasis on vocational mm -hmm. training and the establishment of vocational colleges? Is that not a better idea, though? Because, you know, the, the, the value of a university degree now, relative to what it was, has been diluted yeah, by too many, too many students, it's... too many poor degrees, and no employment off the back of it. Well, completely. So that's exactly what the government um, should be doing. And, and what's vital that, that, that we do is, is, is provide the way in which they can do that. So these mm -hmm. institutions come embedded in local places there's going to have to be unemployment um, relief. So one of the areas relates to the environment, which is flood relief, you know, to engage people in building um, flood defences. There's going to have to be an emphasis on agriculture and food production because of, of the disruption in the supply chains. So that's another area. So they have to think very practically about what is the future economy going to be and put in place now the institutions and the programmes necessary to move in that direction. Yeah, and, and we need to think creatively about the jobs of the future. Uh, am I worried about unemployment? No, there's so many jobs we're not currently doing that need to be done. Coaching individuals, coaching, there's nobody looking after the worker uh, at work to make sure that, that, that they're not building up unnecessary amounts of debt, that they're having... Uh, healthy relationships with their colleagues, with their family. There is, there's a need for a coaching attitude. There's a need for coaching to find the, the right job. So there are lots and lots of jobs that are not currently there. So the government needs to start working with business on focusing what, on what those jobs of the future are um, and, and to, to create them in a sustainable way. It's got to be efficient as well. But, but there's no question if, if you have a, a happy, contented, fulfilled person the organization is going to thrive more anyway so it's about thinking about jobs and 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 and, and meaning and purpose as an end rather than profit and gdp as an end and people as the things that you use to achieve that end I think just to end on a, on a sort of an upbeat and positive note we've had lots of uh, upbeat observations but just in terms of 
society being more helpful, a place where where you know there is more care and and there is that and 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 you know wealth is shared. Is that really possible in the future? I mean, at, at what point are we looking at, at, at some sort of seismic change? Is it now? Is it ten years? It can go either way, and that's the terror and the promise of the moment. I mean, China's relevant. It's the same Chinese character for danger and opportunity. Is the same, and and so we could see a a completely atomized world dominated by a few corporate internet platform oligarchs, in which there's a further disintegration. Of trust and concentration of wealth, and simultaneously you can see、um, that local places matter more. The the respect for work that hasn't existed for 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 so long, the revival of politics. So what's vital is 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 that we have to understand that this is in the balance, and that the way we go is going to have a crucial. We have to turn to the good and strengthen the common good. That's the way ahead. I think it, it is going to happen now, and democracy is going to make it happen now. Because you look at the numbers, the wealth is filtering to the top. The number of people not being looked after in the world is vastly outnumbering the number of people the system is looking after. That will eventually work. At the moment, we've got a, a, a democratic system that that has a very close relationship between capital and and democracy. In, in many cases, it's incestuous. Um, and it needs to 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 give people a voice. If we start to give people a voice, the the the, the numbers will speak, and 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 the state will respond to people, and will will change in a way. But the numbers are overwhelming,、um, and and therefore it will force a change. An inevitability, almost. I mean, if you were in a conversation with with Mr. Johnson right now, Philip, especially trying to mobilise the business community, what would your final sign-off be? The key is to focus on giving space. For for the state to collaborate with business to solve problems for people and planet, and to think big. I, I know he's exceptionally ambitious, and and I think he's the, the person that can make this change. But he's he's had a tough time. <laughs> Incredible. You think about what's happened in the last year; it's unbelievable.、Mm-hmm. Brexit, COVID. He's been on the deathbed. But I think he's phenomenally talented and a, a, a very strong, talented team. And they should be focused on. The kind of change that we need to move、uh, to solving problems of people and planets. <laughs>